Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 21, Snow Drifts. The original air date was May 11th, 2014. The writers were David H. Goodman and Robert Hull. The director was Ron Underwood, and the title card showed the time portal. We begin our episode in Boston of the Past, where a little girl from an adoption agency leaves with her new parents as a young teenage Emma Swan watches forlornly. The house mother comes up to her and tells Emma, don't worry, you'll find a home too, Emma. This is all August's fault. It absolutely is. He he left her behind. Marco's also, fault. <laughs> also Marco's part for sending in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, but I hate August more than I hate Marco. <laughs> but this this young girl, this kid, is is great casting for young Emma. We do see her quite a bit next season too. She does a great job. I think you can definitely see a little Jennifer Morrison in there. In the present day storybook, Emma looks happy as she watches her parents holding her baby brother before inquiring after his name. David explains that when royal babies are born in the Enchanted Forest, their names are revealed in a coronation ceremony. Emma wryly wonders if her parents are going to dangle her brother from the clock tower, a la Lion King, but David reassures her they are forgoing the pomp and circumstance in lieu of a potluck at Granny's. Get that baby a social security card and put him on the grid! Mary Margaret says the important thing is that they are having a celebration as a whole family yeah guilt trip <laughs> serve piping hot henry arrives with the newspaper in hand as he continues his search for apartments when he tries to show emma a listing she abruptly changes the subject to gently tease that her parents are trying to expand the time they need to name the unnamed baby by using an age-old tradition as a cover henry is so excited to be home in storybrooke but you feel bad now emma shame 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 meanwhile Regina and Robin Hood are sharing a romantic fireside picnic. Gross. Are, are you saying it's gross because because it's not Tom Ellis or because it's not Emma or just because yet you do not like eating on the floor? You know, I yes. <laughs> Regina would be one of For those these people. reasons and so many more. <laughs> she would have sexy floor picnics. She absolutely would. It I'm not saying out. she wouldn't. I'm just saying I don't like it. <laughs> I so, don't like it, and I think it's gross. <laughs> so what you're saying is... Eat Elisa, at the table, you filthy animals. <laughs> Elisa should never surprise you with a picnic. I mean, I like normal picnics. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This whole scene felt kind of smarmy to me. I'm going to oh. be honest. Oh, okay. Also, I stand by my eat at the table, you filthy animals. That's where feet are. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that Regina would eat on the floor. She does yeah. not. She does not strike me. As she a is a queen. That's what is, peasants she, do. Yeah, she is a fussy woman. <laughs> exactly. I feel like she'd be on my side about this. I do. But too. but, but be like she is like the type that would be like, oh, it's a romantic fireside picnic. Ooh. I think the fire element definitely is like. I think if well, they were just sitting on the floor drinking wine in front of the fire, it'd be one thing. Yeah, or like sharing like chocolate-covered strawberries or, you know, just like one like little snacky. I could see Regina being into that. 
a whole ass meal. Mm, no, that's where feet go. <laughs> a lasagna in front of the fire. Full <laughs> of chili flakes, like this fucking criminal she is. How dare you, <laughs> ma'am? Delicious red pepper. I'm sorry. Is that the kind of lasagna you like? Lasagna with red pepper in it. Yes, I do like red. So pepper I guess in I just don't sauce. make lasagna well, anymore. Do you like red pepper <laughs> or do you like red pepper flakes? There's a difference. There is a difference. I actually like red pepper flakes more than I like red peppers. Same. I'll just keep my lasagna to myself then. I like your lasagna. I didn't say I didn't like your lasagna. I just said I like when red sauce has red pepper flakes in it. Not lasagna. I we I, we we cannot spend more time on lasagna <laughs> in this podcast. I'm stopping what are you talking about? This is the content that they want. I'm stopping it now. They come here for the hot lasagna takes. <laughs> oh, I will design some merch, maybe <laughs> to each their own lasagna. Peach their own lasagna. They toast to the return of her heart, which Regina proclaims as feeling stronger than ever. They commiserate over their lost loves. Regina reveals her lessons in love, destiny, and soulmates with Tinkerbell, which led her to a man with a lion tattoo in a pub, aka Robin. However, Regina admits that she was too scared to approach him. Robin isn't phased, as he believes fate takes its course. And the timing is finally right. Wouldn't it be awkward, though, if it turned out that the tattoo was like an initiation into the Merry Men and they all <laughs> had them? And Regina was like, oh, yeah, it's because of the tattoo. And Robin's like, yes, I am the only one who has that. Only me. No one else. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Little John's actually your soulmate. <laughs> also, it doesn't get touched on, but can we talk about the fact that Regina actually has a legitimate moment of character growth here? Because it's the first time that Daniel's death is mentioned and she doesn't pin it on Snow White. Yes. Overall, the writing for Regina's character growth this season has been amazing. Like, there's all these little growth details that they're not thrown in our faces. They're just, like, subtly in there. But they really illustrate how she has grown. And it's it's great. Regina needs her own emotional growth chart where she earns gold stars and little treats. <laughs> the lollipop when she gets to five. Mm-hmm. Well, now that she's not blaming Snow for Daniel, I mean, she gets like a teddy bear for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because that's a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets to pick out her own toy of the toy shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Under 30 bucks, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Henry's not made of money. No. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even have a job. This is lawn mowing money. No, but he, but he is uh, looking in the one ads. <laughs> he, is, he is trolling those the, that newspaper pretty hard. He sure is. We cut to Mr. Gold. Sealing his dagger, the real dagger, away in a secret compartment in his shop, just in the nick of time as Belle arrives. Flustered by the responsibility of what she believes is the real dagger in her possession, Belle wishes to place it in a vault, like the one Rumpelstiltskin possessed back at the Dark Castle. But Mr. Gold insists she is up to the task before unceremoniously dumping it into her purse. You absolute fiend! You're just going to jab a purse with a dagger point down in a designer bag? Fuck you. Like, first, the complete backward walk on all of his character growth, because apparently they only had enough in the budget for Regina, and now ruining his fiance's bag by just jabbing the dagger in there. The crimes just don't stop for this man. Honestly, this whole scene is really gross and manipulative and Belle deserves a lot better and I'm very mad 
Mm. Yeah, Mr. Gold, don't lie to Belle. Stop doubling down about this lie, about the stupid dagger. I'm so angry at you right now. Go to jail. Because the thing is, when this whole thing finally comes to light, she's unknowingly complicit in it. Like, he's made her complicit, and it's so shitty. Yeah. And also, like, it's like, okay, you got your stupid revenge, right? Now put the fucking dagger in Belle's purse and let her deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, actually give her the real one and be like, all right, I've done my thing and I recognize that I cannot have the adult pants. Right, exactly. Someone else Mm -hmm. needs to be in the driver's seat because I can't make my own good decisions. Right, exactly, exactly. But he's still keeping it so that he can basically have Belle be his, what am I, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like his smoke screen so he can run around in the background like doing shitty things and be like, how could it have been me? She has the dagger. I'm not. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He can just do whatever he wants because he has this established alibi of I gave Belle the dagger. How could I be doing anything bad? You know, Belle wouldn't let me do anything bad. Right. And it's just like, why would Belle let me do these things? (laughs) Of course she wouldn't. So it's got to be someone else. There's some villain we haven't explored yet. Right. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Happy Zelina's dead. Happy that he killed her. But, but... It should not have come at the sacrifice of his, all of his character growth. That's, but also, fuck this. And and Belle's good name and trust mm-hmm. and love. I don't like that. Because, like, how gross is she going to feel when the whole thing gets revealed and it's like, great, I, I was your patsy pretty this whole time. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. she was his patsy this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, good, you love me. You want to marry me so much that you made me your decoy so you could run around and do crime. Yeah, he's like beyond cross the line this time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's this, it's unredeemable. Yeah. Okay, I'm done yelling. You can keep going, Lisa. <laughs> Mr. Gold takes her hands and steers the topic of conversation towards their wedding. Belle reveals her father has given his blessing and that she has forgiven Maurice for his wrongs, as Maurice has forgiven Rumpelstiltskin. He knows you're a changed man, Belle says. Everyone does, especially me. Ugh. Feel bad, Rumple. Feel bad. Marge Simpson noises. Mm. I hate the writers for this so, so much. Elisa, cue rolling in the deep by Adele. We don't have that kind of money. <laughs> well, we could have had it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have money for. It's for Chell dejectedly saying lines from rolling in the deep. <laughs> Later on at Granny's, Everyone is celebrating. Granny and Grumpy toast to Zelina's defeat and Aurora's reappearance, along with soon-to-be baby Philip Jr., who almost was the baby flying monkey, but luckily Aurora was changed back just in time. And thank goodness for that. Although after our conversation two episodes ago about me not remembering if it was ever resolved or not, if they were ever fixed from being flying monkeys, I did later remember that we do see Aurora later in Storybrook next season or season five? I think season five. So I knew it had to be fixed at some point. With Philip, or was he the monkey who got a cap in his sapien ass? Philip's talked about, but he's not in that episode. But I think it's just because the actor was not available. The actor's like, I have moved on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go be on New Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, meanwhile, is reading to his baby uncle the story of how Snow White met Prince Charming. Emma snarks that maybe the first thing her brother learns should not be how her parents met during an armed robbery. Snow protests that she was unarmed, but Ruby recalls the rock, from which David still carries a scar. 
And also, I'm so happy to see Ruby mm-hmm. and that she's like there at the table as part of Snow and Charming's family. It, it gives me warm fuzzies, but it also makes me a little sad since I know this is the last time we see her for a whole season. Really? Oh. We don't get her back till five. Yeah. I don't remember her being in season four. She's yeah. looking very good. The Charmings begin to playfully one up one another and share stories from when they fell in love. Hook learns of David's previous betrothal to Catherine, a.k.a. Princess Abigail. Hey, they pan over to Catherine. She's looking great. But where's Frederick? Cleaning the elementary school gym. (laughs) I was so pleasantly surprised to see Catherine there. I legit love that she's she's at their baby naming celebration at Granny's. Because, you know, in the Shannon Forest, she was a good friend to Charming. They helped each other and they respected each other. So this is like this really nice little piece of storytelling saying that, hey, you know, she's actually, she's still there. She's still in their lives. They still have a good relationship. I thought that was really nice. It was a nice little detail. Mm-hmm. After Ruby mentioned Snow running away to live on a farm, which sounded alluring for its simplicity and anonymity for Snow, Hook snarks like mother, like daughter prompting the fam to turn on Emma and demand an explanation. While Emma will not acknowledge her intention to return to New York City with Henry in an attempt to leave Storybrooke behind, it is obvious to an incredulous Regina and Henry what her true feelings are. Emma leaves the party and Hook follows, with Henry's Storybrooke in tow to remind Emma where she belongs. Suddenly, Henry notices an orange beam rising in the distance which Mr. Gold recognizes as the time portal. Wow. And whose fault is that? Who? Where's the poop, Robin? (laughs) Where's the poop? Where's the poop, Rumple? (laughs) Regina, David, Belle, Gold, Robin, and Mary Margaret race to the jail to talk to Zelina, who is not present. They muse that she could have escaped, but Regina says it's impossible. Her eyes land on Mr. Gold, and she is totally suspicious. He lies like a bearskin rug about interfering, claiming Belle has his dagger and would curb any homicidal tendencies. And I'm like, get wrecked, Rumple. I am so mad. Belle confirms this, and David checks the jail's surveillance video, which Gold magically alters to appear as if Zelina committed suicide. Huh. I do love that some script supervisor was wise enough to remember that their cameras would record on Betamax tapes. So, nice detail. That is well done. Meanwhile, Emma ignores a call from David as she sits on a bench in the park. Hook approaches, much to Emma's annoyance, but he asks her not to listen to him, but Henry. Hook then hands Emma the book, telling her Henry hoped it would remind her where they're from. And right here in this moment, it's a beautiful shot, like filmed across the lake of Emma and Hook on the bench together with the book. And it's so pretty. Like, it's it's gorgeous. And just in general, Jennifer and Colin are giving it 110% in this scene and in this episode in general. But the scene is particularly strong. It, this is a really good moment. It's a great location, too. I think I read that it was on, like, park in, in Vancouver that they filmed it at. Yeah, I think it's the same location they filmed that really nice scene between Regina and Henry from a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. When she was giving him the tour as mayor. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty. Emma insists that Manhattan is where Henry will be safe, but Hook insists that her excuse is nonsense because her life in New York wasn't real. Emma believes she and Henry can make real memories now with their life in New York, 
Can we talk about the fact that she's being so hand-wringy about what's good for Henry when she's taking him away from the mother that actually raised him without speaking to Regina about it at all? Like, sure, she has these new fake memories of raising Henry now, but she didn't do that. Regina Mm -hmm. did. He's Regina's son, too. And this is really shitty and really selfish. Super, Super shitty. Like... It's awful. And it's not what Henry would want either. It's it's not what he would want at all. No. It's not okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I kind of get where she's coming from, right? But like, I'm just like, Emma, even if you want to go back to New York, there are now like a whole mess of family Henry has here, like that you need to respect. Yeah. You're not the only one who gets to make that decision. Right. Exactly. And, you know, he's going to want to be close to them. And so it's like at the at the bare minimum, custody would have to be discussed, Mm -hmm. you know, be like, okay, well, you know, Henry maybe should actually go to school in a town where they actually teach things like math and (laughs) and not just how to make birdhouses. (laughs) Yeah. And science and shit, you know, but it's like, okay, well, how about, um, you know, he gets a weekend every month, like up in Storybrooke, plus, you know, summer vacation and holidays, like they can go up to Storybrooke at like all like him and Emma and like, you know, go there or people can come down to New York. It's like even like there is like a viable option here that does not have to be Emma just like leaving in the night with Henry completely turning her back on her own parents for one. Mm-hmm. And as you said, regina the actual woman who raised him so like on top of which like sure there was a curse but certainly the adoption paperwork still exists so isn't this also technically kidnapping yeah absolutely not that regina would actually like you know utilize the law no why utilize the law when you can utilize a fireball but that's besides the point (laughs) right exactly what i also dislike about everything going on with both Emma and Storybrooke and also Mr. Goldstuff is that that is also Henry's grandfather. And I feel like the show is completely ignoring that. They're just like, oh, we're just going to completely ignore this fact now. And I'm like, but that's part of Henry too, you know? And they should be also commiserate. Oh God, there's just so much missed opportunity. Okay. I've said enough. (laughs) We're going to continue on. But yes, I agree with everything that my co-hosts say here. Yeah, so we get two in the minutiae of all the things mm-hmm. that the writers didn't do. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> we'll be all night. And I just don't have that kind of... <laughs> and into tomorrow. No, I got to go to work tomorrow, man. Yeah, you got to go to work. <laughs> Despite all this, uh, spoiler alert, we all love this episode. <laughs> we do actually all love this episode. <laughs> I know this is that's, that's the Listen, irony. you this can love is... things and still be critical of them. Yeah, And it's of healthy I to mean, be critical of the things that's you this love. Podcast. That's this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like loving a, a problematic family member. I love exactly. you. Exactly. You love them, but sometimes he says things that you're like, Uncle Joe, you cannot say that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love you, but I don't have to like you. Exactly. <laughs> Emma takes the book from Huck and explains that she does not see family in this book. Just fairy tales she was never part of. Emma retells her history of running away and describes home as a feeling of wanting when she is no longer there. She tells Hook she will keep running until she finds that place. Killian asks about her parents, but before she can properly answer, the conversation is cut short when they notice the time vortex. Emma runs towards the barn, with Hook close behind. The barn doors burst open, 
and the pull from the vortex drags the duo towards it. Hook tries to hold her back by digging his hook in the ground, with Emma holding onto his sleeve. Emma can't hold on anymore and is immediately sucked into the portal. Hook then says, One of these days, I'm going to have to stop chasing this woman, and jumps in after her. The portal closes as her cell phone, which is left behind in the barnyard, is ringing with a call from David. Seconds later, both Emma and Hook land in the enchanted forest. Just as they are trying to figure out when they landed, Emma spies a wanted poster for Snow White. Ah, the infamous wanted poster that pisses me off so much. While leafing through the storybook, Emma realizes that she was thinking of her parents' first meeting, which is how and where they ended up. As Emma begins to stress that nonsense like this would not happen in New York, Hook reminds her they've been in dire straits before, and they just need to focus. Also, Emma, in New York, you were proposed to by a flying monkey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so these things do happen in New York. Anyway. <laughs> they follow. Your problems follow you. Emma. <laughs> yeah. They will find you. Emma makes a wisecrack about Marty McFly and tries to explain a fictional character to a confused Hook, who thinks Marty is a wizard. This comment gives Emma an idea. Find Rumpelstiltskin. And this exchange was very good. I loved Hook's line of, is he some kind of wizard? <laughs> like, it really made me laugh. It was really good delivery. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, maybe this Marty McFly wizard can get us out of this pickle. <laughs> it's very earnest, which is what makes it so hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no self-awareness, and it's kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. They take cover as an entourage of Black Knights race through the forest, a carriage close at their heels. The retinue comes to a halt in a nearby village where Emma and Hook creep over to watch as Regina terrorizes the villagers, demanding the whereabouts of her stepdaughter. Suddenly, a surprise Marco and Pinocchio appear. Why is fucking Pinocchio here? Jesus fucking Christ. Ugh. Shouldn't he be a real boy by now? Kindling. <laughs> Just everyone really is in this episode. Even a Pinocchio CG nightmare. I miss when he was the adorable ginger kid. Yeah. I don't miss him at all. Regina warns the villagers with a demonstration, revealing a woman she has taken prisoner, whom Regina claims assisted Snow White. Emma wants to help the woman, but Hook warns her about changing the future so they can't save the woman, as any minuscule changes could have dire consequences to their futures. Before Emma and Hook continue on their journey, Hook steals Emma some enchanted forest garb that was drying on some poor villager's laundry line. Side note here, Emma does a lot of stereotypical complaining about the course that she puts on, and it always makes me roll my eyes whenever anything in modern media feels the need to do this. I say, making direct eye contact with you, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, because a well-made corset is not uncomfortable, unless you're super tight lacing, which she wouldn't have been and clearly isn't. Like, good corsets are actually surprisingly comfortable, and give really good back support. This is one of my, oh, of course dudes wrote this episode moments. Yeah, like, dude, Emma, it's it's not squishing your spleen. Hard uh, agree. Watch a goddamn YouTube video. Do a Google search. It's not accurate and it perpetuates ill-informed tropes. <laughs> I did love the moment, though, when Hook pulls up Emma's cloak hood and she makes the most grumpy face. I saw that, too. It. She looked like Grumpy Cat. <laughs> it's, it's really cute. I really, I really liked it. 
Just like mm. it reminded me kind of of the one scene in Kimmy Schmidt where Titus is buttoning her coat up and she's just like, "It's too high," and he's like, "It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Get out there." <laughs> yeah. Around the same time, Prince Charming and Abigail are in their carriage in the moments before Snow and Charming are destined to meet. Snow cuts the tree down to make her highway robbery, causing the carriage to stop as she is in a tree waiting. As Charming gets out of the carriage to investigate, Emma makes an enormous mistake by making an accidental noise, which surprises Snow, who falls from her perch and runs away, empty-handed, thus preventing her parents from meeting. Oh, Emma, you done fucked up. Oh, I wish, I wish I hadn't sat on that fish. (laughs) Okay, but Emma looking so awestruck over how cool her parents were back in the day is actually really cute. It's adorable. She was so excited to see them. She was just like, oh, there's my dad. He's so cool. Oh my God, there's my mom. She's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was a look that said, how could I ever think of leaving these two lovable dorks? They're so rad. (laughs) As Charming never left the carriage and pursued the bandit who would become his wife, Charming and Abigail continue on and arrive at the castle of King Midas. Which is supposedly gold, but on my TV, it looked a little dull pyrite. Maybe I'm just being picky, though. No, it looked okay on ours. Meanwhile, Snow is meeting with Blackbeard at a shabby tavern in hopes to buy secret passage on his ship. Blackbeard demands double what Snow has just paid him. He looks terrible. I hate Party City, Blackbeard. Boo, that's not Blackbeard. Go get Taika Waititi. They don't have Taika Waititi money. (laughs) Sometimes he's just bored and will show up to things. That's true. (laughs) As Emma and Hook spy the dark castle in the distance, they debate their approach. Rumpelstiltskin himself then appears out of nowhere, ready to kill Hook. But Emma quickly reveals that she knows that he's going to create a curse that he hopes will one day find his son Balefire, and that she is the one who will eventually break it. Why does no one ever just kick this man in the balls? He wouldn't have gotten to toss them around so much if Emma had just kicked Rumpel in the balls the way I always shout at her to do. He's way too fast for that and would have broken her ankle. I do love that he does just pop out and just lay like, surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) She had time. And I want to see someone kick him in the balls. I'm tired of him. (laughs) I'm not tired of this rumple. I'm tired of Mr. Gold. If you kick him in the balls now, he won't turn into that Mr. Gold. (laughs) (laughs) You're saving the future, Emma. (laughs) Rumple still skin releases Hook and demands to know if he's successful in reunification with Bay, which Emma confirms. The Dark One revels in perceived victory for only a moment before he realizes that these visitors from the future have sought him out because they done fucked up the timeline. And Emma's like, whoopsie, I accidentally undid my existence. My bad. Rumpelstiltskin escorts them back to the Dark Castle where he wonders why Hook is still alive. And Hook promises that they bury the hatchet in the future. But why not in your skull? This is unsurprisingly my favorite scene of the episode. Like, I love when Belle comes in. She's like, oh, you're back and stuff. And Emma's like, oh, Belle. Belle's like, do I know you? And she's like, oh, whoops, I guess not. And then, like, her, Belle and Rumpel, like, snipe at each other. And Emma's just like, oh, God, I can't believe that you two fall for each other, which definitely ruffles Rumpel's feathers. So it's very cute. Rumpel is like their 200% more unhinged Doc Brown in this episode. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. After Belle departs, Emma reveals her parents' identities to Rumpelstiltskin, 
who is surprised by this news as he has just arranged the marriage between Princess Abigail and Prince James. Well, Prince James Part 2, double down for David. Emma explains how her parents were supposed to meet and shows the Dark One the storybook, except the pages are blank. Rumpelstiltskin explains it is the ripple effect. Once events have been changed in the past, everything from that point forward becomes uncertain. Time is starting to run out for Emma to fix what she has done. But Rumpelstiltskin tells her the only way to correct this is to go to the ball that will be held at King Midas's palace, where James and his ring will be ripe for the stealing. Also, did you guys notice the haunting, horrible puppets of Jiminy's parents are hanging behind Rumpel in the scene? Because I did and wish I didn't. You know I didn't because you said, did you see the puppets? And I said, no. <laughs> I mean, they've always been there. So I just assumed they were there. I hate them. I hate them too, which is why I was like, and I'm glad I didn't see them. Poopenhausen. <laughs> Poopenhausen. Poopenhausen. You guys know that there's like a German out there who's just like shaking their head going, that's not how it's conjugated. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> If we have a German listener out there who has been depressed about our use of Poopenhausen, I'm sorry. Also, feel free to leave us a voice message and tell us what we did. Yes, please, please leave us a voice message. And tell us how to correctly Poopenhausen. Elisa, how does one leave a voice message? You can do so on our Anchor FM page, which is, uh, let me, I think it's anchor.fm backslash once upon rewatch. Easy peasy. Yeah, please do. We love we love getting voice messages. We love any messages. We would especially love it if you'd leave us a voice message saying Poopenhausen correctly. <laughs> or incorrectly. Just talk to us. We're very lonely. I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the dark gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to The Lost Boys and laughing at memes taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12. But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the fanged undead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rumpel uses a crystal ball to spy on Snow's whereabouts, 
and gleans she has unsuccessfully tried to garner passage with Blackbeard. While Rumpelstiltskin goes to work on a portal to send the pair back to the future, Emma and Hook hatch a plan to have Snow steal the ring for passage out of the forest by using Hook's ship. Later, at the same tavern as before, Emma is sent to distract the past Killian Jones while he's drinking with his mates. Future Hook shows a modicum of what Emma believes is jealousy as she spices up her outfit to distract the past Killian. I didn't think he was jealous, to be honest. I thought it was more, girl, you don't have to go that hard. I promise. He's a simp. <laughs> On board the Jolly Roger, Future Hook masquerades as his past self and nearly makes Smee suspicious before ordering a lurking Snow White to be brought to him. He offers her a deal, get a certain wedding ring belonging to Prince James, and he will give her safe passage out of the enchanted forest. Back at the tavern, an increasingly handsy and drunk Killian Jones wants to take Emma back to his ship for a, quote, nightcap brown chicken brown cow. <laughs> Ladies, gays, and theys, narrator Elisa. <laughs> Tell them what you wrote. I wrote brown chicken brown cow. And then how do you say that? Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> this is why we love you. <laughs> he gives her an ultimatum. Come with him now, or he will find someone else to spend the rest of his evening with. Emma attempts to delay their brief trek to the Jolly Roger, but he scoops her up bridal style just as Snow is leaving the ship. But he also says, like, she's lighter than barrels he throws around, so, like, Wow, romance is so alive here or whatever. <laughs> yeah, she looks so uncomfortable in his arms too. She's just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like the whole situation is just all like, I just look at it like, are straight people okay? Is literally what I thought watching this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Things get out of hand with a bewildered Smee when past Hook shows up while future Hook is still there. And why does your vest keep changing? <laughs> he was so hyper fixated on that. I and know. Pe people have changed clothes, buddy. They, they change clothes. People owed more than one vest. It's okay. Emma dashes off playfully, going below deck to warn future Hook, who was annoyed by the escalation of events between his past self and Emma. After shooing Smee off the ship, Killian Jones follows Emma below deck and kisses her. Future Hook then taps his previous self on the shoulder and punches him. Hook replies that he was asking for it, saying that he'll just blame the rum for his actions when he wakes up. Later that night, outside of Midas's palace, Emma and Hook anxiously wait when Rumpelstiltskin appears, echoing Emma's sentiment that she doesn't like to leave things up to chance. In order to watch and assist Snow White's success, Rumpelstiltskin gives them an invitation to the ball and alters their looks so they can blend in. He will be busy sorting out how to get them home using a magic wand, which he came to possess. Likely from the Gold Fairy. R.I.P. Gold Fairy. Also, I fucking love this scene, especially when Rumpelstiltskin compliments Emma's confidence because she's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And he's like, ooh, confidence. I like it. And she like returns it with like a smug little smile. Like, ugh, I love it. Like these two should have had their very potentially amazing relationship as wicked goblin godfather. <laughs> Emma's dress that he puts her in is so, so, so lovely here. It's one of my all-time favorite Emma looks. It's just so beautiful. And it's in her heroic red jacket red. And she's just glowing in it. And Killian looks great too. And 
he did a lovely job of dressing them. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got he's got taste. <laughs> Bitch loves drama. <laughs> Which makes you wonder why he's just wearing like a freaking like dead skunk around his neck for this whole scene. <laughs> I think that's like his his dragon hide. He's got this weird furry yeah, thing that yeah. he's just slung mm-hmm. about his neck. And it's like, what is that? What have you done? What is it? Take it off. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. King Midas greets the pair as they enter the palace prompting Emma to give him the aliases Princess Leia and Prince Charles. As Emma and Killian take a waltz together, we see Snow scaling the castle walls in preparation for her robbery. Oh god, also every person in this scene who isn't a named character is in a bargain bin prom dress, and I'm in absolute agony looking at it. Yeah, uh, I think I recognize a few of them from Prince Eric's ball this season and then also cinderella's ball back in season one those were like the two other big prom dress balls it's so bad it's like do they think people aren't gonna notice because people are gonna notice it's so bad I, Mm. i just don't know it hurts my feelings meanwhile charming asks abigail to dance who refuses and instead sends him on a quest to fetch her comfortable shoes also, we see Emma get really excited to see Charming again. And it was like, it was a super sweet moment. Because every time she's just like, oh, there goes my daddy. So cool. <laughs> it's like, oh, he really is Prince Charming. They really, they weren't just having me on. <laughs> <laughs> the doors to the ballroom fling open to a bassoon as the evil queen arrives at the palace with her black knights in tow. Three cheers, the return of the bassoon music and doofus hats. Golly gee, Ronald McDonald, it's the Fry Guy gang. Emma starts to panic, but Hook reminds her that Regina would have been invited. They then notice Charming has disappeared. Upstairs in Charming's room, just as Snow finds the ring, Charming arrives in the room at a nick of time. As expected, Charming captures Snow, mirroring the timeline of when they first met. And this time, she hits him upside the head with a jewelry box instead of a rock. Well, she upgraded at least. As she makes her escape, Abigail arrives and recognizes the bandit, shouting for the guard. Stitches get stitches, Abigail. For real? I was like, what are you doing? This bitch. (laughs) This bitch. Emma and Hook make chase and witness Snow escaping, while Charming yells at her to stop, saying that he'll find her. Another mirrored moment from their original encounter. Emma is only briefly elated before a guard shoves them aside to shoot an arrow at a fleeing Snow White. Emma tackles him to the ground and discovers that Snow accidentally dropped the ring. She scoops it up and leaves Hook to battle against the onslaught of gold guards and black knights, only to be apprehended in the ballroom by Regina herself. And Emma's like, oh no, this is bad because she's so evil, but also kind of hot. (laughs) Accused of aiding in the escape of the bandit Snow White, Emma is taken away as Hook helplessly watches. To be continued! I was so genuinely sad when the episode ended. I was like, oh no, I want to keep watching. I just, I had a lot of fun re-watching this episode. said before, I remember this one being a blast. And it's really good to see that years later, it still remains a blast. This whole Back to the Future narrative, it's very fun. It's adorable to see how excited Emma is to view her younger parents and see their story played out, even though it's changed because she accidentally, you know, messed it up just a bit. There's also some really great emotional moments. 
there's a lot of fun, like, little continuity bits and returning characters from all three seasons. And Jennifer and Colin both, like, they kill it. They just, uh, they're both so on it this episode. It's a joy to watch this one. It's not perfect. Like, I, I want to punch Mr. Gold in it. <laughs> But gosh, it's it's fun and a really fantastic part one to the season finale. It's great. <laughs> it's a great episode. I yeah, no, I, I agree. This is a good episode. And it's refreshing to have likable Emma back after her initial grumpiness in the opening, which is still not a cute look, sweetie. But when we get her into the past and she's in adventure mode again, we get good Emma back, which makes me really happy. The storybrook parts of this episode are a little frustrating. Mostly because at this point, I've become the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia meme with Mr. Gold. And I'm just like, I've had enough of this guy. Like, man, this is the shit I lost Neil for. That I have to watch you gaslight Belle more and pretend like you didn't fuck over every person here out of sheer pettiness. Like, I just want the clip from Walk the Line with the wrong son died or whatever fictional Johnny Cash's dad says in the beginning of that movie. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> So I've never seen this episode before, and it was a pure delight from start to finish. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, though, I am extremely disappointed in the writers for not permitting Mr. Gold to keep the growth he made in the first part of season three. It felt like they couldn't creatively handle both him and Regina being good guys and had to walk one of them back. With the entire roster of Disney and copyright-free fairy tales to pick from, they decided to double down on Mr. Gold as, like, a bad guy. And that just really chaps my ass. Like, why did Neil die? Why? Not for this shit, I tell you what. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, this episode otherwise was incredible and easily one of my season three favorites. It's just great. It's just like a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you, Elisa, I definitely was like, wait, oh no, I want to continue. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Should we talk about costumes now? We should. Let's do it. So I love, love, love Emma's red dress for the ball, but I already said that. I also think Killian's ball outfit is very sharp. Mr. Gold has great taste in uh, dressing these two. Emma's peasant's dress that they steal from the clothesline is also very, very cute. And I really like that they had all her enchanted forest looks like tied into her signature red color, like her, her red jacket color. We also saw the return of Regina's red riding coat and the leather pants, which she always looks amazing in. Although I would not have styled the outfit with the hat they have around this time. I don't so much think Regina's hat was bad. I think she was wearing it too low. Yes, it was so low on her head. <laughs> she had it on her eyeballs and I was like, girl. Which which hat? Are we talking about the, the one where she's torturing everybody with the little yeah. right, the riding hat? Oh, I love that hat. But she but has it so the, low. It's not that the hat's bad. It's that she had it tugged all the way down to her eyeballs. I was like, girl, girl, she where is like, your hairline? Like, I'm begging you, baby up, girl, like, please. Try to see under it, and you're just like, push yeah. There's, it up, there's push so it many up. times when she like does like a full like head tip back, like she's freaking like Michael Keaton Batman in order to look at anyone. Yeah. Oh, so I she kind of just yeah. looks like an angry bird because she's having to slap her head back to make eye contact. <laughs> yeah, it which isn't. you know is comical, and I enjoy it. But also, girl, just put it at your hairline. It's okay. Yeah, it's just a nice hat. It just was not. Yeah, it was. It's correctly. actually like covering half of her right eyebrow it's like she yeah she has it like it's like resting on her eyelids god damn it i'm like sweetie i just i just want to fix it for you just hold still let me fix it for you uh also most importantly we saw the return of princess abigail's hideous blue feather dress with like the wobbly like whatever that 
art is on top. That's certainly <laughs> not a normal piece of a dress. Um, I was just really glad to see it because it's just the most ridiculous costume ever. And I weirdly missed it. I actually really, really liked Emma's peasant outfit, but I'm a sucker for a good bodice and it was a really good bodice. I do like her red ball gown too, as Elisa mentioned, although it does confuse me why if they're supposed to be covert, Rumple was like, oh, I know, I'll put her in bright red. But at this point, I shouldn't look too deeply into things in this show because I care more about plot and motives than the writers do. I just assumed it was because Rumple disguised their physical appearance. So I guess it's okay to be flashy. I don't know. I love that Rumple was like, a bitch loves a dramatic sense of fashion and made sure his savior was the best dressed person there. Um, also, fun fact, the diadem Emma wears is the same one she wears in Charming's dream turned nightmare. Oh. Also, I want to give a little shout out to the neon green trimmed houndstooth top Belle wears, especially with her royal purple coat. I love that color combo. Now let's talk about poor Abigail and her ball, her ball thing. Oh, her ball gown. Well, like yeah. the dress itself, fine, whatever. It's that, that like, she's got like this weird, and it, it doesn't even look like it has a finished hem. It's so tragic. I'm looking at it right now. It's so weird. Like a jacket, like a, it's cropped. So it goes right to her boobs. Mm-hmm. But then it has like these long 70s bell sleeves. And it's like in a diamond pattern like she's more diamond instead of gold you know i like her (laughs) i like her necklace and i like her diadem and then i like the color of that atrocity but i do not like that yeah it's very disco yes it's very disco even her hair is disco it's like it's like swooped up and off to the side you know like i I expect her to kind of like do the hustle any minute it's like (laughs) Would's my lady like to do the hustle? Must I hear Shaka Khan? <laughs> Shaka. Shaka Khan. Shaka. <laughs> anyway, poor thing. Just always throwing her in the most hideous clothes. Yeah. Who's that guest star? In season three, episode 20, we have Alex Zahara as King Midas. Canadian actor Alex Zahara is best known for his roles in such titles as Roswell Conspiracies, Aliens, Myths, and Legends, Reboot the Guardian Code, Riverdale, and Batwoman. He is also a prolific voice actor, especially for English-dubbed anime, with notable roles in Nana, Mobile Suit Gundam 00, and Gintama. All right. It's time to jump into the swirling time vortex that is Once Upon a Timeline. So the only true flashback this episode is a single one in the beginning, which is Lonely Child Emma. That takes place 18 years before current time. And we see her, you know, watching another kid be adopted. And this flashback would be placed between August abandoning baby Emma in season one, episode 20, The Stranger, and season two, episode six, Tallahassee, where we see a 17-year-old Emma first meet Neil. And of course, this episode is very wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. And this episode's time travel plot takes place during the same time period we originally saw in season one, episode three, Snow Falls, aka one of the best episodes of the show ever. And that's it for Once Upon a Timeline. We have our rants and raves. We went to Anime Los Angeles, which while it isn't a huge exciting con, which honestly is kind of good because anything too much bigger is still pretty overwhelming. We only got to go to two of the four days because things 
but it was still fun. I got to wear the costume that I had made for a Ren Fair and didn't get to wear because our cat ate string and we had to sit at the emergency vet until 5 a.m. and ended up not going. So it's just been sitting in my sewing room closet. And then my brand new costume that I made. But more than that, we got to hang out with friends we hadn't seen since literally 2019. And as much as cons are still pretty overwhelming to ease back into, I'd really missed the camaraderie and just the sense of community that comes with them. Yes, everything Lynn just said. ALA was really nice. And it was so lovely to see friends. Also really lovely to wear my my Fern cosplay from Critical Role which I'd also put together for the ill-fated Ren Fair when Merlin had her emergency. And just everyone was so so nice about it. And it was just really nice to be back at ALA with friends. I had a really nice time. What about you, Chell? Well, I finally saw Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, and it was amazing. And I was totally not spoiled in all of this time, which is rather miraculous. Otherwise, I'm going to be going to Palm Springs this upcoming weekend with my mom. It's a belated birthday getaway because she and I had big birthdays last year. I turned 40 and she turned 65. So I'm so stoked because I've really never been to Palm Springs or I've never had a Palm Springs experience, even though I've lived in Los Angeles for the last mm, 25 plus years. I'm so stoked. So we're going to have like tiki drinks. We're going to go to like, I don't know, I'll probably drag her to a gay bar. (laughs) We're going to have lots of brunch. It's going to be a very good time. And I'm honestly like vibrating with excitement because I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Nice. I've never been to Palm Springs. Yeah, the only time I ever went was when I was a teenager. My, My best friend from Pennsylvania was visiting And my mom took us out there at night to stargaze, which was really cool because, you know, it's super clear out there in the desert. Otherwise, never been. And my brother and his wife go all the time. Like they they go for their wedding anniversary. They go for like what I believe are other little anniversaries, you know, that they have like, oh, maybe this is their dating one or whatever. They have like all of their favorite spots. I'm going to pick their brains on where to go thrifting because I guess there's like a pretty decent thrift store shopping scene out there. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, will Emma escape the evil queen's clutches? Will Charming find the bandit Snow White? Will true love conquer all? Find out in the thrilling conclusion of Once Upon a Time. Season three. Thank you. you. I mean, radio that was, that was very perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators Three. The moral of this episode is: if you go back in time, just sit on your hands and wait for Wizard Gary to help you. <laughs> Good. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. 
This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. As the evil... Oh, no, my, my microphone just fell down. Where'd it go? It just tipped. No! Hold on. Boopenhausen. Boopenhausen. There you go. Boopenhausen.